0: Well, hello, and welcome to the newest episode of the Community Voice Podcast. Oh, my goodness, my friend. I am so delighted that you are tuning into this episode, which is the very first episode produced for this podcast feed in over 10 years, I'm going to start off this episode by explaining to you what the community voice was, the original intent behind it, and what it is now. And the intent is pretty much the same, although the approach to who will be interviewed is a lot different than before. And I don't know that I would actually call what I'm doing interviews. (laughs) Anyway, welcome. So I started the community voice podcast, this particular show in December 2008. And from December 2008 through March 2011, I published 32 episodes. That means that the last episode was just published or was published just over a decade ago. And the idea behind this at the time was to, quote unquote, get to know as many people as from within my true fan community. You see, I was very heavily influenced by a lot of discussion around an article written by a man named Kevin Kelly back in 2008. And it was this idea called the 1,000 true fans. He basically argued that anyone could make an incredible living if if they could actually create something where... They had 1,000 true fans, and he described somebody as a true fan would be someone who follows pretty much everything that you do. They're so passionate about who you are, what you create, the problem you solve, that whatever your products or services are, they're going to be the one who buys almost everything that you do. That's really the concept of a true fan. Now, at the time when I heard about this, I'm like, you know what? I'm starting to see that I actually have a handful of true fans back at the time. And when I say a handful, I was, I'm was i actually talking about a few hundred. And I'm like, man, what an incredible concept. I am actually making a living doing what I love most by actually... Uh, Having these true fans in my community. See, I started podcasting in December 2005, three years before I launched this podcast. And after two years of podcasting as a hobby, I became full time self employed in January 2008. And in December 2008, I recognized that, wow, I don't know that I would have made it my first year of business, full-time self-employed, if it weren't for the number of people who were quote-unquote true fans. These are the people who signed up for my products and services, bought my digital tutorials. These are the people who uh, became GSPN Plus members at the time when that was a thing. And and I'm like, man, I, wa- I want to actually go even deeper with these names that I recognize, these names that keep popping up everywhere. Back at the time, I had an online discussion forum, which had actually over 10,000 members in it at one point. And inside of this community, I saw these names that would be in there on a daily basis and several times a week on some occasions for, for, for less of them. But it was just incredible to see these names popping up. And then when we hosted in-person meetups, people who traveled all the way to the northern Kentucky to hang out with us from all over the world. It was was incredible. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, I have this opportunity to have these conversations with a handful of people one-on-one through lots of emails. I get a lot of voicemail feedback from them, which I play in the show and interact with them. And I respond. And I've just created so much content where the conversations have been time-shifted and a handful of them I've worked with one-on-one, but I'd really love to get to know them more, and not just around what they're paying me to help them with. I'd like to get to know them as a human more, and that's really what the community, community voice became about, and the idea was that I would find those who were the most engaged members of my community, the ones that were the most deeply commend, committed members of this community. And I would just make it a point to invite them into a conversation in the community voice. I would have called them interviews back in the original 32 episodes, although I I, I don't claim to be a great interviewer, although I don't claim to be a bad one either. I, I seem to have... Somewhere told myself along the way, I don't do interviews. I'm not that great of an interviewer and stuff like that. But I was recently on a 10 day personal retreat in the Smoky Mountains and I downloaded a handful of these prior 32 episodes and I listened to a couple of them and I was blown away about how awesome they were. I remember listening to the one with Tess from the UK, uh, which was an incredibly powerful conversation. And then I'll never forget my conversation with Richard Emblem, which is also in the feeds here in this podcast. And let me find those episode numbers for you so so I can tell you which two I have listened to from the Community Voice and ones that I think are great representations from my past. Okay, so the first one was episode number seven, originally released on March 9th, 2009. It's titled, uh, it's episode seven, Tess from London, England. So that was an incredibly awesome conversation. I really enjoyed it. And I'm like, wow, I guess I'm not as terrible as an interviewer as I thought I was. So I know that that one's great. And then another one that I would point out immediately is episode number 20, Richard Emblem from the UK. Now, what I want to just tell you, that's episode 20. What I can tell you now that I probably would never have told you uh, until his passing was that Richard was one of the most giving people I had ever met when it came to supporting the stuff that I was doing through podcasting at the time. In fact, I won't say the amount, but Richard Emblem at one point says, Cliff, you know, I really love your About the Church podcast, which eventually became the Encouraging Others Through Christ podcast. It goes, I would like to make a rather large donation to sponsor every episode of your podcast. Would you allow me to do that? And like every episode for like a year, I think, or something like that. And it was a very large contribution. I won't say how much, but it was, let me just tell you, it was large. Such an incredible guy. And I got to know him over the years. And I, I got to tell you, this is exactly episode 20 is and and episode seven with Tess. These are the reason why I'm thrilled that I have these conversations. Richard has since passed many, many years ago. His wife reached out to me and said, "Listen, I just wanted to let you know how much you meant to my husband richard and uh, and and I know he would want you to know that that uh, he has passed and and he he thought fondly of you. And so i I just I'm so thrilled by that. And a matter of fact, now that I'm sitting here recording the new introduction to this new revised feed, I want to let you know that, I plan on reaching out to Richard Emblem's wife and sending a link to the, the of this to her because he was a very, uh, I wouldn't say shy, but he wasn't a very publicly outgoing person as far as recording content. And I wonder that if him and his children... His daughters would be interested in hearing this interview that I did with him so many years ago, and that's back in episode twenty. And so, and and I'm looking through the list, and I know that there are some other wonderful conversations that I've had from my past. And I've got all thirty-two episodes downloaded into my podcast app here. I do know that some of them are really terrible, uh, and specifically. On my part, (laughs) not a part of anything with some of these other, with the the great members of my community, but just episode one on my end was absolutely horrendous uh, with Daryl Darnell, who absolutely is one of my, uh, he's, uh, well, I'll tell you what, I'm going to bring Daryl back for a new interview uh, so since he was episode number one, he was my guinea pig for the, for the community voice. But anyway, that's the whole idea. It, it, it's this, who are the people in my neighborhood? And I don't know if you're old enough to actually remember that little gig from uh, Sesame Street. Let me see if I can go find that real quick. Hold on. Oh, oh
1: who are the people in your neighborhood? In your neighborhood. In your neighborhood. Who are the people in your neighborhood? The people that you meet each day. Let's take a little walk around the neighborhood and see who we bump into, okay?
0: Well, that's a little blast from my past that I haven't thought of in a long time, but that is really what this show is all about. Who are the people in the neighborhood? And who are the people in this community? The community voice, let's hear a little bit of a flavor about them. And that's really what this is about. It's not necessarily an interview. Let me interview you so you can learn who these people are, what they're up to, and and, and all of these things, although that will come out. It is all about having a conversation. And what I love is that I already have a relationship with each person who would be a guest on this show. And so it's not like I'm trying to say, hey, so what do you do for a living? And what's your products and services? And tell us a little bit about this where I'm trying to get you to know all of the intimate details of who this person is, why you should be following and this stuff like that. No, the concept of this podcast is for me to have a conversation with somebody I already know at a deep level, and and not to necessarily start from the beginning and go to the end and it's like, and, and I'm going to lead you to a, to a place. It's just like, hey, you know, it's been a while since you and I have last chatted. Let's pick up our conversation. And by the way, do you mind if I record it and share it in the community voice? And so that's why I, I'm moving forward. I want to make sure that this is a conversation format podcast, not necessarily an interview format podcast. And if you can imagine who, you know, the old skit, who are the people in your neighborhood? That's really what this show is about. And I recognize that the people who are a part of the Next Level Mastermind might be really engaged in a conversation uh, that I've had with somebody else that they've been in the mastermind group with, but they've never heard a conversation between myself and that individual. At this level, so far down so many rabbit trails that have nothing to do with what we typically talk about in, let's just say, a coaching or a mastermind hot seat format kind of discussion. It's a different flavor that I get to know individuals at such a deep level. And I love sharing this. And so, in this first episode of the new revised and revived episode of the Community Voice, I have a one-hour and 43-minute conversation with my friend, Casey Price. Oh, one thing before I go straight into this conversation with Casey. I want to let you know that Casey had a little bit of an intermittent issue with his Wi-Fi in his office. And so, therefore, there were about three or four times when our conversation got dropped and we had to reconnect our call. In each of those, you'll hear a sound like this.
1: Welcome back.
0: So now that you understand that each time you hear that sound, that was a break in the conversation and then I just brought the conversation right back in and edited out the little bits while I was waiting for him to rejoin. Alright, so here's my conversation with Casey Price right now. Casey Price is my guest today. He has been a friend of mine for many years. As far as I know, he's been a client officially as of May 2014 because that's when he dropped his $2,000 to sign up for my podcasting A to Z course back in June 2014. And that's as far as I go back in my recollection. But Casey Price, let me ask you, are, was there a relationship between you and I prior to my recollection of us working together and podcasting A to Z? Well,
1: there was, but nothing you would know about. You wouldn't be conscious of it because you know I met you a few years before that. We never, never face-to-face, never, I never spoke to you before that, uh, but I met you listening to various podcasts. Uh, back then, you were the podcast answer man, and we developed a relationship probably for three or four years before I finally signed up for podcasting A to Z, something I had wanted to do from the moment I heard you, uh, you know, first heard of you. And um, so, yeah, you, you and I have had this relationship. It was one way for a while. Well, really, it wasn't one way. It was just it was two ways. You just didn't realize I that I had a relationship with you. So yeah, it's been a, it's been a long time, and 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 frankly, I'll be honest. You've helped shape who I am today, uh, which is really really cool. And um, and I'm changing by the minute. And like I said, part of this change or a lot of this change was was fueled or accelerated by our relationship.
0: You just said something, Casey that is profound. And you said, you've shaped who I am. And taking that statement just by itself, isn't that true of everyone that we encounter in life that they shape who we are? It is. I I will agree with that. But I think there are
1: moments where certain things happen certain people come into our lives that allow us to take things that might have been more abstract more just just out there and, and pull them together and amplify the message or or help something resonate welcome back what i was trying to say was i think there are moments where things happen people come into your life events occur that allow you to really pull things together it it, it kind of it makes things coalesce. And and our relationship is something that has allowed things that I've had in front of me throughout my life. It allowed me to see a different meaning in them. And it allowed me to synthesize, process, and, and use concepts and ideas that before I was never able to pull together.
0: Yeah. I definitely understand exactly what you're saying there. And so where I was going with, and what, because you inspired this thought in me, it's like, wait a second, you know, every single person has shaped my life, uh, and this is a complete stranger on the road, on, on, on the side of the road, you know, let's just say, or on, on the street, you know, I'm walking down the street, and all of a sudden, if you ever c- encountered somebody that's a little huffy and puffy, and they, you know, they drop something, they curse to themselves, and it's like, ah, blah, blah, blah. And, and you feel that, right? And all of a sudden, depending upon where I am in my own journey of being able to control my emotional state, that actually, that person's emotional state and and what ha- what just happened there might actually impact me. It's like, oh, well, gosh, you know, blah, blah. and all of a sudden now I'm carrying a little bit of a different emotional tinge to how I'm filtering and seeing the world around me. And all of a sudden I was do, 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 right before that event. And then all of a sudden I go in and then all of a sudden you come in and, and somebody's having a conversation and you hear some gossip. Did you hear what she said? Oh my gosh, blah, 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 blah. And then all of a sudden, and you didn't mean to overhear it. But they're talking about somebody that you know and you love and that you respect highly. But all of a sudden, they're saying some really negative things about that. And then all of a sudden, now that's actually shaping how it's like. Did this person really say this? And it's amazing how everyone really does shape who we are. Because who, when we think about who we are, I, what I'm talking about is our personality. Yeah. You know, the, this this what our mind says who we are. Uh, we could we could go down a completely different rabbit trail about who we really are, but anyway, I, I doubt we'll go there today. So, but that that impact that everyone has happened, and what I'm what I'm hearing from you is, there are some people you intentionally choose. This is somebody I would love to be influenced by more. And so for me, I've had those people in my life because because I think about your relationship to me, but I think about my relationship to, let's say, Leo Laporte or mm-hmm. uh, Father Roderick Von Hogan or uh, Michael Hyatt or some of my other friends that, that I tuned into them. It's like, man, what they're saying is really resonating with me. And they're saying things that are shocking to me in so many ways. I don't know how I feel about this. I've been taught that Napoleon Hill in his book, Think and Grow Rich, that's new age philosophy. I should stay away from that. I, I've been taught that Tony Robbins is this, you know, this full of himself, egotistical, you know, guy that just is, you know, rah, rah, positive feedback guy. And then all of a sudden, Michael Hyatt's telling me, no, I, I've i been to a Tony Robbins event. And I, let me tell you, it's one of the more powerful events that I've ever been to. Matter of fact, my wife and I and Gail, we walked on the fire. And I'm like, wow, that's changing my perspective of him and of how I perceived things in the past. You know, I wonder if I can actually come to the realization right now because of what this person says, I'm now allowing myself to perceive what I thought to be true as not true. How many other things are there in life that I thought were true might not be true also? And so that's what I mean by, so I, I I receive what you're saying is like, Cliff, you've actually confronted a lot of things that I once had perceptions about, and you've influenced those perceptions is what I've heard. But it, it, what what's a cool is we come to that place where it becomes an intentional act on our part.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, we talk about how life's like a movie or life's like a story. And in most of the t- most of the time, you just you're just reading along, and you turn the page when you get to the end. And every now and then, you get it, it, life is really not a story; it's a choose your own adventure. And you know, so there are those moments in time, those people, those those those, where you said, you know, you that guy on the side of the road that that's huffing and puffing and cursing to himself. When you take note of that, and it's not, it's not, you're not just kind of sleepwalking through life. But when you take that conscious note of that person, because you've passed that person probably a hundred times before and never noticed the person, but in the moment where you do notice the person, now it becomes a choose your own adventure, and you can decide how to take the input that that person is giving you and move forward from there. You, know, if 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 some stranger mentioned Tony Robbins in passing. You probably wouldn't even have heard it, but when Michael Hyatt said it, it was it, it 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 made you realize consciously. Let me choose my own adventure. Let me take my story and run it down a different path than the the habitual automatic page turner that we're living through. Yeah. Um. So you know that, that's kind of how I'm seeing it, and 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 that's what you're bringing up to me is you're saying, Cliff, you were a point in my life where it became a choose your own adventure as opposed to just rolling along you know, turning the pages mindlessly. You live in,
0: is it Hackensack, New Jersey? No, close. Haddonfield. Haddonfield. Is there such a thing as Hackensack? There is. It's way up north, uh, (laughs) close to New York City. I'm down south, close to Philadelphia. Haddonfield. Haddonfield, Haddonfield. New Jersey. Yes. Have you always lived in this area? And if not, where did you grow up as a kid?
1: Yeah, no, I, I, so I was born here in in the in the local area, a different town called Cherry Hill, um, and uh, moved to California for six months when I was an infant with my family. My father was in the the military, got stationed out there, and when he got out, we came back to South Jersey, Southern New Jersey, and I've lived in this area ever since. So I've been a I've lived in Haddonfield since I was four years old. I moved out for one year. Right after uh, Val and I got married, we moved to a town called Haddon Heights, which is literally a mile away. And my commute to work went from six blocks when I lived in Haddonville to a mile when I lived in Haddon Heights. And I complained about that commute for an entire year, (laughs) my one mile commute to the point where we bought a house in Haddonfield six blocks away from my office again. So, yes, I have been a Haddonville resident since I was four years old. So that's 46 years.
0: So you said that when you were an infant, your family moved to California. Uh, was Did you say that it was only for a six month period of time? Yeah, six so months. You don't necessarily have any recollection of the California lifestyle as compared to Haddonfield, New Jersey?
1: None at all. I, I have very little, I know very little about the rest of the world,
0: what it's like to live anywhere else other than right here. You know, this is interesting because from what I understand, Haddonfield's a pretty nice place. Is that yes. is that accurate to say? It is. It's a wonderful small little town. And it it goes to show the 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 mindset of the thermostat. Do you know what I mean when I talk about the thermostat of what we are accustomed to in life, what we expect, what our standard of living is? Yes, because yes, I do. My and please stop me and interrupt me if at any point I'm like really off base here. But, but what I understand is Haddonfield is a really nice neighborhood in this area, and I'm and it's, this is an upscale place that, quite frankly, a lot of people they would dream of living in this area, but they're like, in the is this like, yeah, in my wildest dreams is what they think of. There's no way I could ever live in this neighborhood. That kind of you know what I mean, right? And I so, I know exactly what you mean and and yet for you this is well well this is just what life is like right and and it's it's interesting to me about how for you to live in this neighborhood is just well this is just what life is whereas some people are like do you know what i would have to do to be able to live in a place like this and and what i love about this is is just that your environment is like well gosh i i really don't know any different than doing what it takes to live in a place like this because well this is this is just what it is any th- does that spur any thoughts inside of you you know it, it
1: it does it spurs a lot of thoughts inside of me um i mean almost too many now i've got so much stuff running through my head uh, <laughs> you you know We look at things, I look at I look at things I want to accomplish and I see these challenges in front of me and these these I'll say obstacles that I have to overcome. You know, I want to reach a certain financial level, I want to reach a certain level of success. And I look at how how difficult it could seem or appear to to do that. And then I look now that you've said what you just said, and I think about where I am and, and where I live and what I have accomplished, and which to me is something that, yeah, I say it nonchalantly. I don't even Again, I'm turning the pages in the book without consciously being aware of what's happening around me. This is a really wonderful place and and yes, I have been very fortunate to grow up realizing there's not much to it you know I just I cr- created the life that allowed me to do this um, so yeah, it is a thermostat i my thermostat as far as where I live is set which which leads to an interesting Point, which is you have multiple thermostats, right? We have different things, different people. Some people can accomplish amazing things physically, but they can't accomplish them financially. Some people can accomplish amazing things financially, can't ac- don't accomplish them physically. I'd say can't. I don't yeah, mean can't, but uh,
0: yeah, I, I love maybe. that you could, put it that I, way. I, I love the that thermostat
1: could. in different areas of life. It seems is set at different points.
0: Welcome back. So our computer froze for just a second, but I, I just wanted to say I love that you changed the language there from not necessarily that they can't, but they don't. Yeah,
1: language is important. Uh, I, I, Cliff, we had this conversation a while back where where you and I spoke about the you versus the I. I, I have historically, and and I'm going to do it as this call progresses, put talked about you when really I talk about me. In fact, I may I I was writing some stuff down as I was thinking and. Prior to this meeting, this call, just putting some thoughts on paper. And I wrote about a concept, and I put the word you. Throughout the paragraph. And I literally went through and crossed out all of my U's and wrote I's and me's and my's.
0: So that people that are not aware of this concept, can you read the paragraph that you wrote down with the U's that you crossed out? Just read them as they're so that people will hear the difference when you actually say it again with I's. So go ahead and okay. do it.
1: So if what you could have is represented by the water in a waterfall and you approach the waterfall with a small cup. You can only walk away with a small amount, but if you approached it with a 500-gallon container, you could have a lot more. You can have as much as you want. It's there for you to have. So is everything in life. The only limits are the ones you place on yourself.
0: All right. Now say it again with the I. The, the
1: If what I could have is represented by the water in a waterfall, and I approach the waterfall with a small cup, I can only walk away with a small amount. But if I approached it with a 500-gallon container, I could have a lot more. I can have as much as I want. It's there for me to have. So is everything in life. My only limits are the ones I place on myself.
0: So it has a lot more weight when we use the language I. Now, what I love about this...
1: Yeah go ahead. Not only does it have a lot more weight if I may real quick and I apologize for interrupting but when I used the word you to read that paragraph I felt nothing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: When I used me, I and my I felt I felt a tingle inside. And and that tingle that's a, that emotional spark, that emotional connection to the to the paragraph. It went from just words on paper to something mm-hmm. that that you that that had an emotional charge to it.
0: Yes. And there are times when you will create or I will create content where I am speaking to somebody and I want to say you because what happens is you interpret that as an auto suggestion. So with, as an auto suggestion, it actually gets turned around. So I say you, hey, Casey, you can do this. And what, you, what your subconscious mind hears is Cliff is saying, I can do this. Mm -hmm. So, so it does get, so there's a time, for example, so that phrase is perfectly fine to say with all of the use in it, where language, where the disassociation of the I from the language gets into a problem is when you're in a, when I'm in a conversation and, and I will say, well, you know how things tend to always go wrong when this happens and I'm like, do you know how do you know how you always you know um rush to the wrong conclusions and you blow up do you know how when you just blow up when the smallest things happen and i'm like no tell me more about how i do that (laughs) it's like what do you mean no well you're telling me do you know this how you do this and no tell oh okay so here's the thing i tend to blow up when it's like really do you Tell me more about that. Oh, <laughs> so yeah. it, it, it's when we just assume that everyone else is having the same experience of life as I am, and we take the weight off of the responsibility of our own experience of life by just saying "you," because we have less feeling associated to that. So that's the whole language of "you" versus "I." That's that. That's a. I'm lo- I'm glad that that came out in this conversation. That was cool.
1: Oh. Yeah. I mean, it's hugely important. I think if anybody wanted to take something away from this conversation, if they take what you just said away, that alone can be life-changing. Yeah. Because it really does. It has a huge impact when you, when you look at it and internalize it.
0: Okay. So you were saying that some people uh, believe that you know, they can experience so much success in their physical realm, but they don't in the financial and, you know, and so you were there and then we got cut off for just a moment. So let's come back to that yeah, thought.
1: It's the whole thermostat thing. And I never really thought about multiple thermostats, how one person can have multiple thermostats. And and, and I think it's, it's clear now looking at results in, in my life and looking at seeing other people, how They can really have a a thermostat set one way for financial success and and a different way for health and
0: fitness and a different way for family and relationships. And it's very interesting. It all has to do with our conditioned beliefs about what our limits are and what we expect as a norm. And and we actually develop our, I developed my own beliefs, right? So when I was a child, I saw, well, gosh, uh, having lots of money, uh, creates lots of strife because people argue about how that money goes. And then all of a sudden, I develop this thinking. It's like, well, I, I want to avoid that problem by avoiding having lots of money. It's there we go. I'll just live my life. So, I adopt that belief as a kid, and, and all of a sudden, there are a number of other experiences that I see where people have lots of money, and it causes lots of strife for them and stuff like that, and it reinforces that belief. And eventually, I come to the place where I'm numb to that belief. It's like, I, there's nothing in my world that will ever question my belief that having lots of money causes strife in relationships and so therefore from that point forward this is unconscious unconscious programming i don't need to consciously ever think about that again i will always avoid having too much money because i want to avoid the pain of strife in relationships
1: it takes you back to the idea of who you surround yourself with because now as adults right we 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 have these conditioned beliefs and we look at we look at who we are and if we, can, if we can change the people we surround ourselves with and see how that money doesn't lead to that stripe, that, that money leads to, can lead to other things, can lead to opportunity, can lead to all sorts of things, it affords us the opportunity to reconsider some of these conditioned beliefs. Now, obviously, reconsidering them in our conscious mind and getting them installed in our subconscious are two different things, but y- you got to start somewhere.
0: Yeah, you, you have to start somewhere, and, and the idea is that... Just because we've become consciously aware of a limiting belief and we're working on rooting that out and installing an alternative, a powerful, uh, empowering alternative belief, the question is Does this new empowering alternative belief that we're installing into our subconscious programming of our life, is it in conflict with 10, 15, or 100 other competing conditioned beliefs? And right. and so it becomes this process of change over time. And it's like, listen, this is this. Is, we're, I'm a work in process. I didn't develop all of my beliefs in, in a you know over the course of a one weekend mindset conference. I'm probably not going to completely reprogram every piece of my operating code overnight as well.
1: Well, you've heard me talk about the coffee and the and the, and the clear crystal clear water.
0: I have, right? but I but the the folks who are listening have not, except for the handful of people that were on our mastermind call. So please tell this.
1: Yeah, well, so you know, I'm a well, you Cliff knows, but I'll share. I'm a huge fan of Bob Proctor, who is like the Tony Robbins of the 70s and 80s, maybe, uh, and maybe I'm wrong, but that's how I see him. And uh, I'm a huge fan of his Born Rich program and the audio book. And one of the things, and and the reason I'm saying that is I don't want this to seem like it's my idea. It's not. It's something I've heard from someone else, but I love it because, well, here's why. Bob Proctor talks about a cup of coffee or dark liquid and a cup of crystal clear water. And if you take a spoonful of that crystal clear water and put it in that dark liquid, you cannot perceive a difference. That dark liquid is still to your to your eye just as dark as it was before you put the water in it but if you keep adding teaspoons of water into that dark liquid eventually that dark liquid starts to get lighter it starts to get clearer if you put enough water in you start to overflow that that dark liquid that coffee pours out of the out of that cup and it starts to get clearer and clearer and clearer until you get to a point at some point in the future where it is that that what was once a cup or a container of dark liquid of dark coffee is now crystal clear spring water, and that's what our minds are like. Is we're trying to reprogram. We are who we are. I am who I am. But every day I I add a little bit of crystal clear water to that coffee in my mind, right? And every day it gets a little clearer. And today, compared to where I was at the beginning of this year, because the beginning of this year is really where I I started a journey of of Uh, mindset improvement, self-improvement, or maybe not improvement, but mindset change. So, so in the past eight months, I've been adding little teaspoons of crystal clear water to the dark liquid in my mind. And I think I'm starting to see it get a little clearer. I know it's getting clearer, uh, but you know, it's, it's huge. So like Cliff, like you said, yeah, that one thing may not be the, the, the change or or the catalyst to, to a whole new person. It, each one of those little things is is adds up it's part of the sum total of who we are and if we can put enough good thoughts good ideas and 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 break through enough limiting beliefs
0: casey i love what you just said there specifically a word you said so maybe you know with that latest teaspoon of spring water clear water it doesn't change the person completely. And I love that you use create a whole new person because I used to hear things like this. It's like, well, what do you mean create a whole new person? I'm the person that I am. And, And one of the things that I heard a long time ago in my early entrepreneurial journey is like, yeah, whatever you do, just be careful that success doesn't change you. And I'm like, what does that mean? Is that, yeah, there's a lot of people who all of a sudden that, you know, they get a little bit of success under their belt. and Next thing you know, uh, shifts start to happen and they start talking different and they start hanging out with different groups of people and, and, and they change and it changes them. And then all of a sudden they're too good for you. And so just make sure that success doesn't change you. Uh, and wow. There's a whole lot of stuff to that as well, but it goes to this, what I loved what you said about it doesn't change the person overnight. And it comes down to who are we as a person? And it reminds me of the word, where does the word person come from or personality? It comes from persona, which I have learned through uh, some more Eastern influences, like Sadguru is actually the person. Sadguru is the one who taught me that persona was a word from Greek plays. And so, they would have these people that would be at the theater, and they would have a, a mask that they would hold up to their face. And so, you'd have one actor playing multiple different characters within a play, and he would hold up a mask, a persona, and speak through it, And then he would pull that mask down and he would bring up a different persona, mask, and he would speak through that. And so he would be different persons depending on what mask. And he said there he goes and so what happens is you develop a per, you put on a mask that says I believe this, I am limited by this, this is I'm married to this person, this is my name, blah blah blah. You you basically create this persona, this mask. It gets stuck on your face to where you forget that you have the ability to take it off. Now you have a personality. Now you are a person. Right. And the whole idea is that we are not the person we believe we are. We we are not the personality. The personality is nothing more than a mask that is the accumulation of everything that we've experienced. And we can do exactly what you're saying. I love the idea of this metaphor of this water and the coffee, because over time, we can change the mask. We can change the personality. We can change ourselves as a person. And then it reminds me of like, wow, you know what? Now that I have experienced a great level of success as an entrepreneur, I think back to that conversation with just make sure it doesn't change you. And I got to tell you, I resisted a lot of change over time but eventually I can't. It's like, wait a second, this is limiting. Who I am as a person is severely limited, and it's not in alignment with who I feel created to be or who I'm supposed to be in this world. And you know what? I am going to change. I am taking the mask off and putting on a new mask. I have changed. I do hang out with different people. I I don't do the same things I used to do. The things I once thought were fun and exciting are no longer the things that I think are fun and exciting today. So over time, I have changed. Now, I'm not going to judge those who have not changed along with me. I make no judgment of that, but I choose not to participate in those things. And from this perspective, I totally understand how somebody I used to hang out with can perceive that I am an arrogant, egotistical, you know, too full of himself, kind of goody two-shoe, successful business person, which that's not who I am. But I understand that when I was there in with that mask on, and with and that mask had filters in the eyepieces, and the way that I saw the world is like, yeah, those rich people, those snobby people, blah blah blah. I thought I thought very much the same things about people like that, who are who were then at a station where I am now, and I'm like, I had that same perspective of people like where I am today, and I'm like, wow. And so I just love the whole idea of how you brought the metaphor of the water and the coffee into creating a new person. And and just in case nobody's heard of the fact that a personality uh, is nothing more than an offshoot of the word persona, which actually literally means mask. You're wearing a mask. You are not who you think you are. I am not who I think I am. I am I am the being behind the mask. And what I am in this world is what I've accumulated and allowed myself to put on as a mask in the, in the divine drama, if you will, of life. Welcome back. I want to get back to you for just a little bit. So when did you first discover podcasting?
1: Wow. That's a great question. And I, I don't know. It would probably be around, well, around 2011. Um, coincidentally, uh, and I don't remember what my first shows were, uh, but I, I did, you know, it's, it's, I, I wound up in that, um, that whole genre of self-improvement and business, business leadership and business improvement. So, um, it's funny. I I discovered podcasting to start to love podcasting.
0: You, so you started podcasting to start to love podcasting. I I,
1: I discovered podcast, what I discovered, when I discovered podcasting was I discovered how much I wanted to podcast and how much I loved it. Gotcha. Uh, Like, I find it fascinating how there's stuff
0: for everybody, you know, as narrow as you want to go, there's something there for you. Yeah. I told Mark Mason, I was going to create a podcast called Cliff's Notes on the Phone Book because he kept saying, Cliff, I'd listen to you read the phone book. Well,
1: it, it is something, I mean, every interest I've ever had since, since I first discovered podcasting, I have, I have furthered it by listening to podcasts about it. In fact, some things that are visual, I listen to podcasts and I get a lot out of it, even though there's nothing to see.
0: I'd love to hear some of the podcasts that you are subscribed to, like some of the odd niches and interests that you have.
1: Oh, Cliff, Cliff. All right. So here's, I'm going to, I'm going to let you in on a secret about me. And, um, Something I don't tell very many people. So my, my uh, mind candy has been, since I was little, professional wrestling. Really? Oh, yes. So when I am, well, you know, I love, I love mainstream sports. I'm a Philadelphia sports fan. Phillies, Eagles, Sixers, Flyers. Live and die with them. So, uh, but, but ever since I was little and we had the cable outlet called spectrum or or, uh, prism, I'm sorry, prism was our cable outlet. They had wrestling at the spectrum. So spectrum was the, is the arena in Philadelphia or was it's no longer there. And I remember, um, I happened upon professional wrestling one day when I was probably around fifth grade. And since then, I have loved it. And it, I don't love it anymore. It has changed way too much. I love the wrestling I grew up with, just like the music I grew up with. I'm an eighties guy. I love eighties music. I know as much about eighties music as anybody out there, um, but professional wrestling. So what I do is I listen to old school wrestling podcasts. In fact, that was one of the first podcasts I ever listened to. It was something called the old school wrestling podcast. And, um, so anything that goes back to the days of WrestleMania, Hulk Hogan, and and all that, or I like a different. There's a, there's something called the NWA National Wrestling Alliance that was down more in the southern states uh, primarily, which was on Superstation TBS. So I listen to podcasts about that. That's my that's my brain candy. Uh, I listen to a lot of philosophical. You know, now let's let's change gears abruptly, huh? Go from professional wrestling to stoicism. Go to mindfulness. Go to um, online. Business uh, creation and development. Uh, go to podcasting itself. Uh, Brazilian jiu jitsu. I listen to podcasts about jiu jitsu. I listen to some uh, news podcasts along the way, uh, and then and then pretty much anything I happen upon uh that 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 piques my interest. I listen to music podcasts, guitar podcasts, but anything that I happen upon that piques my interest, I'll listen to. And now I listen to a lot of YouTube. Um I, I go on YouTube deep deep dives and, and a lot of again more philosophical type things, TED Talks. I listen to TED Talks all the time. So that is a little bit about about me and what I like.
0: That's awesome. Have you ever had the opportunity to meet Chris Pavone? I have I have I met Chris at uh, Free the Dream
1: in uh, I guess it, probably 2019 well 2019 I sat with him in uh, 2018 I saw him uh, I, I saw him there but uh, yeah Chris is a great guy and uh, I've, I've seen some of the videos of his wrestling matches when he was in the WWE and uh, and he was at I think OVW for a while Ohio Valley wrestling uh, just
0: neat stuff so uh, yeah he's a great guy. That's awesome. So Philadelphia. I mean, we learned earlier that you've always lived in New Jersey, specifically Haddonfield, not Hackensack. So how how Philly? Why Philly? Why Philadelphia? well i'm six miles from philadelphia oh okay so you, i'm so, geographically challenged so i have no idea yeah, six
1: six miles we so we have philly season tickets um we will go we you know we can make it we, so i took my youngest son to a sixers playoff game basketball uh playoff game a couple years ago and you know tickets were really expensive so i was like well maybe we'll go maybe we won't And we, and and five minutes before game time the ticket prices dropped. We bought them and we were there by tip-off. I mean, that's how close I am to the stadiums here from South Jersey. We are
0: spoiled. That is so cool. All right. Yes. What's your favorite podcast on philosophy in stoicism? And I know that stoicism is just one branch, but what's one podcast that comes to mind?
1: Well, I mean, the Daily Stoic is an easy Quick listen, um, the Ryan Holiday, yeah, you know daily. Just just a little thing. Um, I like uh, I like Zen Habits. Um, I, I I don't know how to say Leo's last name. And again, you talk. You're on first name basis. I'm on a first name basis with all these people, despite the fact we've never met. Um, there's a there's a great YouTube channel. Um, by a guy with a with one name, it's like Hoffer or something, and he breaks a lot of of Eastern philosophy down. He deals with Taoism and Confucianism and and Stoicism and all these things. Uh, which, but that's on YouTube. But they're like they're like ten minute little. I, I consider them podcasts almost, even though they're they're video form.
0: I have. But- a recommendation for you that I believe you will absolutely thoroughly enjoy. It sounds to me like it's not on your list currently. It's produced by BBC Radio, Channel 4. The title that you will find in your podcast directory, it's called In Our Time, colon, philosophy. They have In Our Time history. They have In Our Time a lot of other subjects, I think. Uh, But it's made by BBC Radio 4, uh, but what you want to look for is In Our Time, and there's a colon, space, philosophy. So, uh, cool. so go search for that. There's 136 episodes. So far, I've probably, I've listened to about 40 of them. And it's basically a bunch of British, super amazing uh, people with um, that British accent. But they're all intellectual philosophy um, professors and just like the highest level thinkers on these subjects, they've devoted their lives to these people, you know, the, to this stuff. And it's fun that's to funny. hear them debate over what some of these people were, you know, it, it, it's, it's really done well.
1: Yeah. That's, that's really, really cool. And, uh well, we, and actually you made me think of something else that, that I'm, I listen to a lot, which is I love Neil deGrasse Tyson. Yeah. I love stuff about the universe. I love how we are all, the same we're all made of the same elements the same material we all come from you know we're, we're just so similar uh we we are we are we are one you know and um so i've and 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 and, I, and once you get into the universe the universe takes you into oh an infinite number of directions as far as philosophy and 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 just thought can can uh will will we'll. so yeah really cool stuff
0: So I have a question for you, uh, just as it relates to just the crazy stuff and the different directions a community voice conversation could go. You talked about that you've you've subscribe to some YouTube channels, and so you listen to those. Are you a YouTube premium subscriber? Yes, yes. Even though I I have
1: my own, uh, YouTube has made me very angry over the years, but uh, I am a YouTube premium subscriber.
0: So, okay, we'll get to, that'll be a fun little side shoot conversation. (laughs) So, um, but yes, I just want to mention for anybody who's listening, if you're a fan of YouTube and you're not a fan of the ads that, you know, you click play on a thing and you've got to wait 20 seconds or 30 seconds to watch an ad, or if you're in the middle of an incredible piece of content and then you got to watch an ad. For $9.99 a month, you could be a YouTube premium subscriber. This is not a sponsored ad, by the way. But but it is, it is one of the greatest 10 bucks a month I spend because I watch countless hours of YouTube every week. Uh, I just love YouTube. And it, just to be able to download episodes of video content before you get on a flight is awesome. The fact that you can close the app and have it continue to play the audio is awesome, and not to mention the fact that um, now, just recently, you could be you could leave the YouTube app and be browsing around. I sometimes I'll play a game, and the pop up screen on screen will work with YouTube now. All of that good stuff. It's it's awesome, and no ads, which of course is incredibly cool. Unless it's you know a, a host reading. This one's sponsored by Skillshare. And, you know, and the, yeah, it, it, those are what they are.
1: Well, that's why there's the fast forward button for those things. Exactly. Uh, but uh, yeah, I agree with you wholeheartedly. The ads, uh, my son has YouTube and he doesn't have the premium. And when he shows me something, it's just, it's always oh, painful. But it's you like, know,
0: you're this right. is 20 seconds of my life. I will never get back
1: that's right that's right and when you when you go on walks or do other things with youtube you don't want to get out of the flow you want to stay in if you're learning something or just enjoying something you don't want to break the flow with with the ad i agree with you wholeheartedly
0: all right casey completely different trail what's your beef with youtube oh youtube
1: youtube took my work channel down they they suspended us They gave us the right to appeal. We appealed. We have no idea why they did it. Right. We got there's if you look online, there's a whole wide net of people that this has happened to. I I was advertising on YouTube. Um, All ads were approved, whatever, whatever the process was. and, and, And we just can't you can't get to a person there. I'd love to say just ask, what is it that you guys that the algorithm saw? I love sharing about what I do. That's what I was doing. And, and somehow we ran afoul of something. I don't know what we would have done that that could have caused it. But that's my beef with YouTube. The fact that there is nobody, nowhere that I can talk to someone and, and get that fixed. So I've moved to Vimeo. <laughs> uh i I have taken all my stuff to vimeo vimeo you know i like it more anyway because it doesn't have at the end of my ad it doesn't have all the suggestions it just it ends um so it's a little more professional and uh but i would like my youtube channel back and uh, i'm still dealing with it i'll I'll get it eventually i hope
0: well here here's what i love about just the crazy stuff we never know who will listen to this and there may be somebody that who listens to this is like i think i might have some Solution that Casey might consider. So, real quickly, what is your YouTube channel that got shut down or taken down?
1: Oh goodness, um, I think it, it's Price Law Practice, my my legal channel, my law practice channel. So it's a All law. All personal stuff is there, but.
0: Yeah. So so you've got this law practice and and it got taken down. So if somebody wanted to reach out to you via email and say, hey, Casey, I think I might have somebody that I can put you in touch with or I might have something. Maybe have you tried this yet? How would how, What's the best email for them to reach out to you?
1: The best email for that would probably be my personal email, which is caseyprice29 at gmail.com. So C-A-S-E-Y-P-R-I-C-E-2-9 at gmail.com. Okay. What's the 29 stand for? Uh, that's just a, that's just a, a number that, um, m- well, my, my, we, my wife and I went on our first date on the 29th, uh, which is coincidental because it was also the number that I was using playing baseball in college. And it just all got a little bit... Uh, it just coincidentally, that was the day that the calendar date
0: of our first date. So well, that's the way I remember it. Did you ever play wrestling or did you ever do wrestling in high school or anything like that? Did I ever wrestle?
1: I wrestled in middle school. I got into a fight one day after school. The the, the it was broken up by the wrestling coach. He brought us both in, made us wrestle. Uh, you know, join the wrestling. If we wanted to fight that day, we had to join the wrestling uh, practice. And I liked it enough that I stuck with it for a year and a half. Now, I'll tell you, I was a big kid in middle school. I was big and I was not very strong for my size. And when I wrestled, I used to be able to count the lights in every gym because I was on my back getting pinned uh, regularly. So my wrestling career lasted for about a year and a half and that was it. Uh, I love it. My oldest son wrestled all through from kindergarten through high school. He was, uh, it was a lot of fun to follow that. I knew a little bit about it because I had been a wrestler, albeit for a short period of time, but that is my wrestling foray.
0: So I am going to share something in this podcast in, All of the years, what is how many years has it been since 2005? Is it 16 years? I would say that, yeah. In 16 years, 40 different podcasts and well over 4,000 podcast episodes, I'm about ready to say something and share something about me that I completely forgot until I just asked you that question. Casey, you're not going to believe this. I actually was on the wrestling team at my high school my, I think it would have been my freshman year at Connor High School in Hebron, Kentucky. How about that? I forgot that I was on the wrestling team for <laughs> one year, and the reason why is because my dad was a wrestler and and he loved wrestling and all this other stuff. And he's like, "I think you should try out for the wrestling team." And I'm like, "Yeah." And he goes, "Yeah, I think you'd be great at it and stuff like that." And so, I'm I go in and I whatever you do to uh, you know apply or whatever that's called trial out or whatever and they said yeah okay you're on the team and so i i remember distinctly an entire year being in the men's locker room before these wrestling matches and and all this other stuff i was terrible um, I mean, I learned a couple of moves and stuff like that, and I I may have pinned somebody once or something like that, but it, it would have been just a complete weakling that didn't know anything. They just must have known something less than I did. Uh, but I do remember. I, I remember get, trying to be sincere and interested in it, but it had nothing to do with my own passion. It was just because this is something that I think I probably, more than anything, I probably would have done it just because, you know, I think my dad would be proud of me if I did this. And is more of that kind of thing and then i i really did not like getting you know the the underhand of this and so I, I yeah i'm like this this is not for me i i did it for a while dad you know but no this is not for me uh um, well, wrestling
1: wrestling is one of those things that if you don't grow up wrestling wrestling has to be almost habitual and in, in 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 what you do at least this is my opinion it it has to be you you you're it's almost stimulus and response. Something happens, you have to respond a certain way. And if, if you have to think about it, you're going to get pinned, right? It's almost got to be automatic. Um, so the kids that grew up, like my son who grew up as a kindergartner, when he hit high school, he kind of, he had it down. He knew what would, how, to, how best to deal with certain things. When I started in middle school and I would guess when you started in high school, although I'm not going to suppose anything. When I started, it was like, what do i do now oh yeah. i'm gonna throw a half a half nelson all right i have to do these moves to get that half nelson to work whereas a real wrestler just boom they do their they they throw the half and they roll the kid over onto their back and pin him.
0: yeah my uh, my issue is is so much it's like so okay so i have to stay in the mat and at what point do do i it's like at what point do I start doing something? And and what do you, what, I don't even know what a half Nelson is. And I, and I'm that kid who, you know, I remember the name Hulk Hogan and Rowdy Ralph Piper or whatever that guy's name was. What Rowdy Ralph and anyway, Rowdy, Rowdy Piper. That's it. And, uh, was Jake the snake something? Jake the Snake Roberts, yeah. Okay, so I remember those names, and I remember all of my friends watching that stuff on television. I'm like, why? I is like, this is like what? Is, so I never watched it. So for me, literally, it's kind of like, like name a sport I've never heard of before, <laughs> and and I know nothing about. I've never watched a single like even thirty seconds of it. I've never watched it. I'm going to go sign up to be on a team to do that and represent our high school. That was my wrestling career. Yeah. Now it's, <laughs> it's, uh,
1: that's really neat. It's fun. You know, it's neat that you tried something. This is the best part about things, right? You had the courage to try yeah. something that you didn't even, you've never even seen
0: before. Yeah. I'd never uh, been to a match before. My my, my the, the, ma- the first wrestling match I ever participated in was the first time I'd ever seen a wrestling match in my life
1: yeah yeah actually i same thing for me as i think about it i never i had never seen it before and then i got dragged onto the mat and joined the team and the next thing i knew i was standing on the sides in a wrestling match so yeah you're right but that's really
0: but at the same time though and while i know you know real like wrestling in high school is is not The performance, not that everything in professional wrestling on television is a performance, but many things are choreographed and stuff like that. So it is different. But at least you had a mental picture of wrestling well beyond what I did. Because you said you fell in love with when you were five years old, right?
1: Yeah, but I'll tell you, though, they are so different. Professional wrestling and and, and amateur wrestling are i mean there are two different things i mean it's it's kind of like 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 saying basketball and soccer are the same sport because they both have a ball the only okay. thing that makes professional wrestling and amateur wrestling similar is that they both have the word wrestling in them <laughs> that they're a hundred percent different well,
0: from each other so i i now i love your perspective on that because for me from my perspective is like okay i can go i can agree that it's way more different than it's than it's alike but I think there's I mean if I had to argue the point there has to be more than just wrestling there are two human beings who are locked into close proximity where they're wrapping their arms and legs around each other trying to maneuver other people and trying to get pins there's a little bit more the, the concept is there although the actual approach is way different so I I'd say yeah. there might be just a just a couple additional threads there that are similar.
1: All right. Well, we'll, we'll agree to partially agree. <laughs>
0: I love that. <laughs> ah, man. So Casey, do you understand like what kind of the vibe of what the community voice is now?
1: I do. I do understand what the vibe is and and I love it. And man, I've told you some things that that I wouldn't normally share with people so uh yeah i get it i get it and that's that's the that's the fun part about it is yeah. you start talking you start sharing and the next thing you know you're talking about professional wrestling
0: brazilian jitsu, jiu-jitsu when did you first become interested in that
1: i I, I read i was reading Jocko willings book um on discipline and i was looking i had been looking for some sort of physical activity um uh, and uh he talked about you know boxing and jujitsu. One is striking, one is grappling. And uh so one day I just decided to give it a try. And I loved it. Now I, I ended up separating both of my shoulders at pretty much the same time. And I and and then the the pandemic hit. So I haven't been back yet. But as soon as things you know as soon as I'm more comfortable with the situation uh, i I expect to get back there as soon as I can it's a great outlet and where where I was going was just wonderful people that's the most important you know it's the most important part of all of it if you're going to be wrestling with somebody and that's really what jiu-jitsu is Brazilian jiu-jitsu you you you, you want to be with nice people because you can get hurt and uh where i was we looked out for each other and and it was a very safe and comfortable place where you got a great workout and learned how to defend yourself a little bit
0: now let me ask you this so you go in you separate both of your shoulders pretty much around the same time frame and you're eager to get back um So are you saying that that maybe there are things you know now that you didn't know before that maybe that if I go back, I'm less likely to separate my shoulders? I'm just curious.
1: No, no, not at all. It's just, uh, well, first of all, I think there's a throttle. I can throttle things back a little bit. You know, I can tell my partner, just do me a favor, watch my shoulders. In fact, that's how I separated the second shoulder was somebody was trying to protect the shoulder that was hurt. And in protecting the shoulder that was hurt, I hurt the other one because I I accident I, I, I kind of slipped and landed on it. Um. So yeah, it, 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 it's it's funny that the way I hurt my second one was somebody trying to help me not hurt my first one. Um. But yeah, no, I can't wait to go back. Yeah, it, I got hurt. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna be two years older when I get back. But uh, yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. I I, I, th- I just find
0: it. that fascinating. I, it's like wow. A lot. I, th- this rem- so. Uh, another thing that I haven't really talked about, this may have come up somewhere along the the journey of 16 years of creating content, but I was also a blue belt in Shotokan Karate. Oh, wow. Yeah. And that was, again, I, I was starting to put on a little bit of extra weight in my high school years. Uh, and so... Um, obviously wrestler wrestling wasn't my thing. And so my mom and dad said, why don't you try out this karate class? And so I go in and it's like, and they show me, you know, this, uh, you know, all of this stuff. And I'm like, it's like, yeah, this is fun. Uh, I I like this. And I like, I really loved the idea of self-defense. I was one of those kids that had issues with bullies most my entire life. Uh, it's pretty severe cases, especially in high school. In high school, mm-hmm. I had the worst cases of bullies you can possibly imagine. And I'm talking physical bullies, not emotional bullies, like physical, right. like kids that sh- would probably be put into juvenile hall today for what happened to me in high school. This was just like, yeah, dude, grow up. You know, this is part of life. <laughs> it's like, okay. Yeah. So I went, so I love the idea of karate for. Self-defense, and so I go in, and and everything was fine, until it's time for the quote-unquote karate ter- tournaments, and this is where you're not sparring with your friends in your class. These are people who want to get points, right? And dude, th- th- these are real kicks coming at my face and and my sides, and you know these are real bruises um, that are showing up on my body, and I'm like. Uh I didn't sign up for this. You know, this I'm like I am like I think okay. I have pro I have progressed as far as I desire to progress in karate. I love the discipline of it. I love the exercise of it. I love the training myself the reactions and how to anticipate and see the movements that are coming at me and I I love the moves of defense. I don't necessarily like the the let's get into onto a mat and try to get points at each other. It's like that's just not for me. So and then I did actually, uh, just like you said, he's like, "Man, I hear and these are my friends, and so we're we're sparring." But I mean, come on, we're friends, right? Whereas the people who were progressed even higher than me, they're literally they're breaking bones. I right. mean, they are breaking. Bon- there are people who have like um, black eyes and stuff like that, and th- and this happened in sparring, not just in a competition. But they literally broke their ribs, and I'm like, "Yo, I- I'm tapping out. <laughs> I'm gonna go do yoga,"
1: <laughs> which which can hurt you too, <laughs> frankly. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's it, You gotta want to do it. Yeah, you gotta want to do it. You gotta be motivated and um and love it. And yeah, it's it's everybody has their, their thresholds for what they're willing to endure. And yeah. some some, physic, some are happy enduring physical, some are happy enduring other things. Um I like I like jujitsu enough that uh I will keep going back.
0: <laughs> so tell me about um your work career. What's the first job you ever had?
1: first job, first job I ever had was in a gas station. I pumped gas. I always wanted to pump gas. Really? And, uh, so when I was a sophomore in high school, I got a job at a gas station and worked there part-time all through high school. Uh, so I played sports and did other activities, but I always picked up shifts at the gas station. And I used to take, used to take my paycheck and go buy a compact disc, uh, or two if I could, um, every, every, uh, every time, which, which again, love of music. Um, so it goes all the way back to my first paychecks. I would go out and buy, buy music. So yeah, gas station, then, uh, worked at a t- as a telemarketer for a while, worked as a waiter and a cook. I Okay. Learned slow everything down. In a restaurant. Slow down.
0: So first yeah. thing, uh, cause this is, this is the curse of the familiar. You're like, okay, there, you know, this is no big deal. So first thing I want to know, do you have the cleanest windshield on your, on your block?
1: Not right now. Although when I go, I do. I, we had to we had to clean windshields, and you had to give a dollar to the clock to the customer if you didn't. And people would look to make sure because they wanted that dollar, and we didn't let it happen. This is now. Look, I was in the gas station back when there were no programmed pumps. Mm-hmm. So if somebody came in and said they wanted $10, you had to watch that pump and get them to 10. But then you had the guy in the next aisle and the aisle after that, that wanted service. They didn't want you standing waiting for 10. So we literally ran for the whole time we were there. I never, we weren't allowed to sit down. We, uh, and you didn't want to pump overrun. Uh, that was the worst thing that could happen.
0: So I, I, um, I still have this question for you. Do you have the perfect method for a streak free crystal clear windshield?
1: I used to be really good at it. Nowadays, no. Nowadays, my wife looks at me when I clean the windshield, and she's like, "You really used to do this for a living?" And uh, I'm out of practice. What can I say?
0: All right, telemarketing. In what 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 was telemarketing to you back then? Because there's I, I can think of different things that telemarketing was. So, what were you doing in telemarketing?
1: Well, do you remember the, the when Michael Scott was a telemarketer in the office, sat in a little cubicle, had the guy listening to his calls, all that stuff?
0: that's yeah, what we did i think so it's been a yeah. long time since i've seen the office but that's a, i've seen that movie three or four times it's a good movie it, it so it's, you, it's, you would call and say and read a script and yep
1: credit cards we would we would try to get people to open department store credit cards and uh so i, I had a little cubicle i sat there for hours at a time you would hit a button to say new call it would dial for you. Somebody would answer, you would, you would go into your script and and you had all your objections. And, and every now and then somebody would say, yeah, sign me up. And most of the time they were not very happy to talk to us. And this is, this is, uh, when was this? This would be around 1989, 1990. So no caller ID, none of that. They, 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 you know, they would pick up the phone expecting a friend and, and there I would be. Uh, and some people did not take kindly to it. So let me ask: so,
0: How did you first hear about the telemarketing job? How, how did how did you get into that business?
1: A friend of mine I worked with at the gas station got a job there and said, "This is a whole lot easier than being out in ninety-five degree heat in gas fumes or in twenty degree weather and in, in you know and cold." He said, "Come on in, and it paid a lot better, but but it." It was, I was short-lived as, everybody there was short-lived as a telemarketer. It was, it's a tough job and a thankless job.
0: Yeah. I I was a, I actually did telemarketing for one week and, but it wasn't actually a telemarketing job. So I was already in my insurance career at this time. I signed up for what was called the state auto pace setter sales training program. It was a two-week program in Columbus, Ohio, and one of the things that they taught us was telemarketing. He, he, you can go and buy lists of phone numbers, and here's, the, here's how you do this. Here's a script, and in this classroom, we're going to have you make phone calls and try to sell insurance, And lo and behold, I had one week of telemarketing experience, and I I made a decision: this is one technique I will not use to sell insurance as an insurance agent. But you know, it, it was interesting to see that world, and there is there is a lot of success to be had in making sales when you know when you've perfected a system and and stuff like that. But man, psychologically, you have to have some kind of of, of demeanor about who you are to be able to withstand uh, the responses that you get from some individuals.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Y- you have to be able to not take it personally. And I was good at that. There are things that happen in life where that I take them personally sometimes. But in that moment, as a telemarketer, nothing bothered me. It was just because you expect it. You realize people are going to be done out of shape said, when you interrupt their dinner.
0: You said it was short lived. How long did you work in telemarketing? Uh, probably about two months. That's a lot. Yeah. Two months. Was there ever a time where like, it's like, ah, man, I I'm on a streak. This is good.
1: No, not so much. And you know, it's such a, like you're so isolated when you do it that there wasn't even people to celebrate with when you, when you did do stuff, you know, it was just kind of you were in your cube facing the wall and it was, it was, it was, it was just mind numbing to me and, uh. To the point where I used to bring a book and and try and read in between calls, and which didn't work oh, out either. Really, That's why
0: I got... I was going to say, just, it's like, how much time did you have between calls? Because I can't imagine them letting those phones not ring out right away.
1: Yeah, no, it, it, there was not much time, but it was just that it was so mind numbing. I had to try and do something. I didn't, we didn't have phones at the time, internet. It was just, I brought, uh, I brought a book and tried. I remember I, it was a Neil Simon play. I mean, I even remember what I brought. What um, what, what play? I don't, that I don't remember. I okay. just remember bringing a Neil Simon play because I thought a play would be easier to read because choppy lines, as opposed to trying to read a, a, a narrative with, you know, dense paragraphs.
0: You know, it reminds me, I had a, I had a, what are, I, whatever you call it, an anthology or whatever of Neil Simon plays. Mm-hmm. And, and I remember reading those. I used to love to read screenplays Uh, in college and I don't know if you know this I was a theater minor in college I did not know that yeah
1: I did not I was in Greece in high school were you I was awesome I I was sunny the only lead character without a singing solo because guess who can't sing Uh, or well who can't sing yet I could if I wanted to I'm sure but uh, right now I don't know how and I'm terrible at it so
0: I never yeah I don't think I ever played in a production, but in the classes that I took, we had lots of improv. But and then we also had to do rehearsed scenes. And I my favorite thing is I had to remember the entire scene of being Felix, and you know it was me p- being Felix, and my other friend was uh, Oscar, or was I Oscar, and the other person was Felix. But it was the odd couple. And I had yep. to. I all I can remember. The only the word I can remember out of all of it was phenobarbital, pheno bar, because I had <laughs> never heard of phenobarbital. Bar, and as you can tell, I still struggle to say phenobarbital. And but th- there was a scene where I had to say phenobarbital, and I had to play either Alex or um, Oscar or Felix from The Odd Couple.
1: That's funny. That's funny. But you were never in a play. You were never on stage, huh?
0: I, I, let me think, uh, I'm trying to think, is there any repressed memory that's being held back? Was I ever in a full-blown production, a play? I don't think I was. I, I, no, no elementary school play, certainly not high school, and in college, no, I wasn't in a play production, and I can't think of any kind of community thing. So, no, I... I've always been intrigued by theater and stuff like that, but um, no, I, I've never been in a thing where I had to memorize a script from the beginning of a play production to the end of a play production where I'm playing that character. Um, but it was something that I've always wanted to do, and I, I, you know, come to think of it, I probably will do at some point.
1: Yeah, well, it's worth it. It's a lot of fun. It, it, it was something I tried once. I like to try things. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I was a senior in high school, Gave it a shot, made the cast, ended up having to stop baseball in high school because of it, um, because it was just too much of a conflict. And I'm glad I did. It was something I really enjoyed being a part of. So yeah, definitely worthwhile.
0: So the next question is, after telemarketing, you leave there, do you go straight into the um, the restaurant industry? Is that what you said?
1: Yeah, telemarketing was... Between senior and high school, freshman and college, I went, so then I went to college and in the summers, I started working at uh, a restaurant. I was a waiter for a while at Olive Garden. Really? And, uh, Olive Garden, yeah. huh? Oh, it was great. That was so much fun. Enjoy- I enjoyed everybody I worked with there. How and, many uh, breadsticks did you eat? <laughs> I ate far too many. <laughs> what, what What got me, here, here was my road to, uh, to being... Um, my road to, uh, well, my downfall was ZD cheese. Oh. That, oh, is that the cheese get, that
0: they grate over everything?
1: Well, no, it's the it's the mix. It's it's cheese with sauce, all mixed. And then oh. when they make ZD, they take the the noodles and they put the cheese on it and they and they mix it up. And then they they put uh, then they put some more cheese on top and bake that on and and yeah, so I would we would get we would get meals there and I would ask for ZD with extra ZD cheese, and I ate way too much ZD cheese uh, working at the Olive Garden. It was delicious. But I always like the Olive Garden. I'm a simple guy. I'll eat anything. I love exotic foods, but I'm also very simple. And to eat eat the Olive Garden every day for lunch made me happy. <laughs> so
0: did you yourself or did you have anybody else that you worked with do did you are you aware of any wait waiter or wait staff that had the ability to go to a table take an entire order for a family of any size without writing a single note on a piece of paper
1: well we we could all any size i don't know like like you know if you said to me 16 people i don't know who if anybody could let's, do that let's just
0: take the average family of four that comes in
1: uh, after a while that was easy okay that could that would be easy because people you know first of all most people ordered it's like anything else your distribution of orders are very narrow so you had like 10 things that most people would order you know there's the 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 stuff there's some stuff nobody would order but but most people would order like the same stuff so yeah it was it was pretty pretty easy um to to memorize that stuff and you would you had to write it down at some point because you had to give it to the we used paper t- handwritten tickets so you would put the ticket into the counter so you might not write it at the table but you would have to write it at some point yeah you could get that right without a problem okay
0: have you ever seen anybody who had the unnatural ability to memorize the most complex like you get 7 people in the party every person orders one of those 10 most common things but they have 3 substitutions for each individual item and everybody wants their own drink and uh they one person asks with no ice 3 people want lemon with no water uh 2 people want lemon with extra or water with extra lemon uh one wants a diet coke with a lime squeeze and and like not a single note has taken at that table. Are you aware of that these people exist? Oh, I know they exist. I
1: didn't i, I don't remember anybody like that where I worked that jumped out at me as just being phenomenal at that type of thing okay
0: fair but, enough i yeah. ju- i ju- I just wondered have you have you encountered that as a as a guest at a restaurant where it's like listen, our family's a little picky. We got our unique order. uh you might want to write this down and they're like, I, yeah, I got it."
1: Yeah, yeah, I have seen that. And uh, yeah, props to them. I mean, if they can do it, they, you know, they're better than I am. Because if you get if you start getting all wonky with your order with me, I have to I, I'd be like, can you hold on for a second? Let me get something to write this down, uh, which actually makes people more comfortable. Right. I'm more comfortable if you write it down, because I know now you got to you, you're going to get it right.
0: I, I'm more comfortable if you write it down. But if you can prove me wrong, I'm impressed. Oh, absolutely. That, absolutely! I love that. So I, just so you know, I go into a Mexican restaurant, and I, I'm like, listen, I'd like a chicken fajita, but on the hot plate, I would like only chicken and only onion, so no peppers. And if you put tomatoes on them here, I don't want the tomatoes. So basically, a hot plate, I just want your grilled chicken, at er, er, your chicken and your onions. Okay, now the side plate, I know it normally comes with refried beans, rice, and all this other stuff. I don't want the side plate. Keep it. No no reason to bring it out. Also, no tortillas. I, I need I have no need of tortillas. I don't eat them, so I don't need to bring that. Really, all I want you to do is bring me out a plate of steaming hot, sizzling chicken and onions. And by the way, can I have two bowls of shredded cheese? <laughs> and and I get it right. And I'd like a Diet Coke. And, and yeah, most most of the time they get it right. But here's the fun part is my my daughter McKenna has a variation of that and my and so and everybody in my family has like their unique substitution of this and that and stuff like that and there's five of us we go out there's a Mexican restaurant called Agaves right down the road from our house and there's mm-hmm. a girl her name is Melissa and she's been our server as long as she's working she's our server every single time and i will tell you from the very fr- like the first time she took our order not a single note was taken and we had all 5 of us and it was the most craziest order you could possibly imagine <laughs> she did not write a single thing down and everything was perfect not only that but we went in 2 weeks later she said diet coke water with no lemon water with extra lemon coke zero and you want uh, and and she like and Coke Zero. Uh, you want uh, the, and she read our entire order back to us. Wow. Two weeks later, to this day, when she sees us walk in, she comes to the table for the first time with our drinks. Oh wow. So that's very cool. I it's just like that's you know there are some people who just have like how do they do this. Anyway, yeah. So, what was your favorite experience as, as being a wait staff at uh, at Olive Garden? What
1: was my favorite experience? Goodness, uh, you know, I just, I just liked, I really enjoyed the people I worked with. Uh, so we we had a softball team, and you know just going out doing that hanging out with the folks and that was that was a lot of fun um i remember one time i was waiting on a table and there was this guy sitting at the table and he was all slouched down like slid back in his like the kind of sitting real low in his chair and i remember thinking to myself wow i've never seen anybody sit like that and eat a meal like that and when the, when it was over he got up And I realized he was like six, eight, he was super tall. And that was the only way he could sit there comfortably, like fit under the table was to slouch down and slide his legs under, ended up being a a local football player that I hadn't recognized at first. But I, I I remember looking at him thinking, how, how can he eat and sit like that comfortably? And then finding out he had to sit like that in order to fit. Um, just, it just, it was a fun place to work and uh, I really enjoyed it. Awesome.
0: Really Did you have any other places of employment between that and what you do today? Well, yeah, actually, when I got out of college, right, when I got out of college, I had no job, no prospects.
1: So a friend of mine, a friend of my parents called and said, hey, we, I work in a financial brokerage house. Two of them are merging together. So our, our office and another office are merging. We need somebody to come in and help with the merger, organizing, filing, just doing busy work. Would you be interested in so I said, sure. I had, I had no job, no prospects. Might as well do it. And I ended up staying in the financial services industry then for about three years. Uh, while I was there, I hurt my back had to have surgery, was out for three months, realized I don't want to be employed by someone else when I'm older. Because if if I'm older and I have the same injury, and let's say I'm out six months, I don't think I'll have a job to go back to. So I decided at that moment, I wanted to become self-employed, go to law school. I applied for law school while I was out hurt and um, got in and, and, and worked a couple more years in the financial services industry, then switched over and started working in my father's law office as his clerk. So yeah. I was financial services for about three years, got into law school, stayed there for another year or two, and then uh, have been in law ever since. And that, I, I joined my father back in October of 96. So this October will be 25 years I've been here uh, in the law practice.
0: Awesome. So there's all sorts of questions I have for you. <laughs> so first question I have, when you say financial services, for those who are not familiar with the industry, what, did you, what were the products and services that you were selling?
1: Yeah, so it was a, it was a stockbroker really. It was a brokerage okay. house. It would be like Merrill Lynch. Um, it, it was Smith Barney is who it was. You know when uh, when what is it when Smith Barney? No, I uh, I forget. It had, I thought they had John Houseman uh, do their ads way back when. You know the and uh, uh, never mind. I'm falling down a rabbit hole. It That's, was Smith Barney. Rabbit ho-
0: <laughs> Rabbit holes are welcome here. This is like yeah. my Joe Rogan style podcast. As you can see, we've gone on forever. We can go anywhere. There you go.
1: Well, yeah. So, so that's what it was. And I was in the mail room. I was the mail guy and that, that's actually where I met my my wife. Uh, was, really? She was working at Smith Barney also at that same branch. So I was very fortunate that I had no job or no prospects because if I had, I probably might not have met her. Um, so yeah, I got to work there, got to do the mail. And then what ended up happening was I, I befriended the manager of the office. And when my, it was a temporary job that I got that was only supposed to be for a few months. Working in the mail uh, and, room working in the mailroom and and filing and and just odds and ends and he said oh you know we're going to keep you. Somebody went out on maternity leave. We're going to put you in a spot um, to to do open accounts. And then somebody else went out, they got sick and he said, we're going to move you over here and you're going to learn how to do the wire. Now the wire is where you would actually enter the stock trades because this is before you could do it at home on the computer. This is before the stockbrokers could do it themselves. They would physically write a ticket, drop it at the wire and the wire operator would have to enter it in. Wow. So that's why I learned how to type. Because I would type all these three-letter or four-letter symbols all day long, and and I suddenly became a very proficient uh, per, uh, became very proficient at typing. Uh, so I got licensed. I had all sorts of financial licenses. Shame on me. I let them. Uh, I let them all lapse. But I had you know any pretty much most of the licenses people can think of. I had them. And the series uh, I was, seven uh, and all that other stuff. I had my seven, my eight my five, my 15, my three and my 63. So I don't even remember what they all are anymore, but, uh, the eight was to manage cause I, I had gotten the, I was, my plan was to become an operations manager at, at, at brokerage houses and try and work my way up on the operations side. But again, life, 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 uh, what it, what, while I was there, I had to pick up the mail. Still, even as I was doing all this stuff, I was picking up the mail. And one day, when I was on my way to pick up the mail, uh, somebody hit my car and and hurt my back uh, as a result of that. So that's that 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 was choose your own adventure. I,
0: I I I had my choices in front of me, and I picked a different route. So so you were actually doing work related stuff when you were in that accident. I was, yeah. So was work, did workers comp cover that?
1: It did. It yeah. did. And it was pretty severe. Uh, it was a pretty severe injury. I had surgery. Uh, you know, I, I couldn't, you know, a back injury, it was a disc injury. And they're very interesting. At least the, mine have been in the past where, you know, first you have pain, you localize pain. Then you have the shooting pain, right? The uh, The, what's it called? The sciatic pain down your leg. Then you get to the point where you can't sit this, or at least I got to the point where I couldn't sit. So I'd work standing up until I got to the point where I couldn't stand. And then I would just go home and have to convalesce laying down. And then you get to the point where laying down was uncomfortable. And eventually you'd have to have surgery and hope it worked and relieved all the pain. And that's what I, that's what happened to me. And and I made a full recovery, uh, had a few, have had a few subsequent, you know, tweaks here and there, but I'm healthy enough. I can do Brazilian jiu-jitsu, right? Yeah. Um, I'm very, very fortunate. Okay. So, so you were yeah. You're- so I got hurt working and it was a comp case and all that.
0: So you are working at this uh, place, starting in the mailroom. Do you recall the very first time you ever caught a glimpse of Val?
1: Oh, yeah. I remember it. Like it was yesterday. I was sitting behind. So she had to go to the wire to drop something off. The wire is like a, uh, it was like a, a long rectangle. And there were three people sitting kind of, uh, it, th- you would walk up to the wire. So it'd be like walking up to a counter at a, at a ice cream parlor. Okay. So you walk up to the counter and you hand your ticket in over the counter. I was on the back side, like against the back wall facing away from the front of the counter. So in the ice cream parlor, the person you walk up to the counter, say the person says, can I help you? And you said like a cone of chocolate ice cream, they bend over, they, they scoop the ice cream, they hand you the cone. Okay. So they're facing front ways. You're facing them. They're facing you. Well, imagine somebody in the back working on one of the machines with their back to, to the customer. That was me. I was in the back, had my back to the customer. She came up. The person sitting at the wire said, oh, Val, your hair looks really nice. Well, for me, I'm going to be curious. I turned around and looked, and there she was. And uh, and then I you heard joking. angels'
0: was, voices going,
1: ah. It was love at first sight, but only for one of us. And, uh <laughs> Then I had to beg her to, to, to go out with me. And eventually she said yes. And then I just slow, wait, 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 slow,
0: slow, 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 slow down. <laughs> so you see her this very first time, right? When is the very first time? Did you, did you make eye contact? That's what I want to know. Was there eye contact made between you and Val in this first experience of you actually noticing her?
1: Um, probably not. It was probably like our relationship where I immediately had a relationship with her. Yep. There was no relationship with her with me. There was no connection. I don't
0: even, like I said, I don't even know if she noticed I was there. Okay. So this experience happens. Yeah. Does she mentally, does, does she immediately invade your thought process? Like from that moment on, or did you have to see her maybe one or two more times before she started to show up in your mind, like consistently?
1: yeah um you know i'll tell you i would i don't know i'm guessing she was probably in my head immediately um i it's just some of it you know i i and again part of it is the story that i've been writing ever since mm-hmm. right because i'll tell people oh, i was it was love at first sight for me and for her she wanted nothing to do with me you know and i've said that so many times uh you know, I know at the time I wasn't dating anybody. So I'm sure when I saw her, uh, yeah, she I, I probably had to catch my breath there after um, you so, know, seeing her for the first time.
0: So how long would you say was it between that moment where you first turned around and saw the hair that was being referenced and you're like, wow, how long in days was it before you spoke to her the very first time?
1: Oh, I'm sure I spoke to her the first day or or within within the first couple of days. Oh, yeah, I was I was the handyman. I was like the
0: I was the file, the file clerk. Did Um, you create a a reason for you to go up and make that conversation happen? Or was it something that, you know, this is my job responsibility and I've got to go talk to her about this?
1: Yeah, well, it would, it would probably have been something like I was sorting mail in the mail room and putting mail through, or or she was dropping mail off, and it was just a you know totally work. Because again, remember, I was nobody to her. I'm I, she was in she 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 was living her life, and I was just some guy who blew in who was going to blow out. You know, temporary job in the mail room behind the walls all the time yeah no it it would it, there was nothing there were no trumpets or or anything for her. I don't think um it was just another day at the office with another guy working
0: there and what did she do for uh for the office?
1: She was an assistant to uh, a high producing um financial advisor gotcha
0: and yeah so so how long between the first time you saw her and when you asked her out for the first time? oh gosh
1: um well our first date was in december so i first saw her in the tuesday after memorial day in may and our first date was in december oh
0: okay i now, thought it was october i apologize
1: yeah no 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 worries we went to for her birthday there was like a group of us that went out to the beach club in philly that dates us because that's long gone and um And I got a ride with her. And I joke now that you know that was our first date when we went to the beach club around July, uh, in at her birthday. And she says, "No, that was not a date. You were just in the car. I was driving, and I was kind enough to give you a ride." Um, Our first date, I had to trick her into going with me. Out, had to trick her into going out with me. Tell me more. Yeah. So I told her that I had basketball tickets, uh, that my father got them from a client and gave them to me. And I had these two tickets and I wanted her to go with me. And she said, no. And I, and I, and I, Kept asking her, and eventually she said yes. So that day had to run out and get tickets because I had none. Um, I was just trying to come up with a reason to get her to go out, and 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 so we went to the basketball game. And on our way home, I said, "Hey, um, you want to go get a drink or something?" She said, "No, I'm going out with my friends tonight." And so I brought her home, and she went out with her friends. Fortunately, things you know evolved from there. And uh, by uh, December, well, so so that first date, that okay. So I'm calling that a date. That's not really a date. That was the first time we went out it was December around December 14th. Our first date then was December 29th, where it actually had evolved to the point where I said, would you like to go out and go on a date type thing? And she said, yeah, that would be nice. And we went on a date December 29th, 1993. And it's now what? August eight August 13th, 2021. We're be we married 25 years next July. And, um, So it's been fun. 25 years, three kids and uh, one dog and things are going well.
0: That is so awesome. Well, Casey, I could carry this conversation on forever. There's still so much to learn about you and and I appreciate getting to have this deep level conversation. Here's what I love about the community voice is there are going to, I have no doubt that anybody who has been in the next level mastermind, matter of fact, I will purposely Reach out to everybody who's been in the Next Level Mastermind since you first joined, which, by the way, hold on. I actually have this here. Uh, Casey Price, you joined the Next Level Mastermind three years and four months ago on April 23rd, 2018. So... in three years and four months, there's been a lot of people that have come in and out of the AM group of the Next Level Mastermind. So I know this podcast episode is gonna be very interesting to all of those people. So I'm gonna personally send out a link to this episode to all of those folks. And then, you know, there'll be some people that you've interacted with and engaged inside of the Free the Dream community and stuff like that. And I, that's, that's what I love about this is this is, this is a totally different approach to getting to know people from a let's go down rabbit trails and have a conversation together kind of thing.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's a lot of fun and it's 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 interesting going back and talking about things that really I don't talk about much anymore. You know, some of the things we wrestling. I haven't talked about the middle school wrestling. team. I in forgot a that long I wrestled. Time.
0: I, for, <laughs> yeah. I, I was on wrestling team for a year. That's right. That's right. I, professional I, wrestling. So yeah, and that's what I love about this. And so I'm all—I already know that there is there are at least a couple thousand people I want to invite invite onto the community voice. Uh, but Casey, I know I want to have you back on again at some point in the future. Would you be interested?
1: I would love to do that. It's it, it's a lot of fun. I really enjoy the opportunity to do it. And um, yeah, it's been great. I'll be back anytime you want me.
0: Hey, one little personal plug, if I can. Uh, the next level mastermind. You, you've, when it comes to products and services, you signed up for podcasting A to Z. You were a part of session number seventeen in June twenty fourteen. That was seven years and two months ago, yep. and you were a part of a very special podcasting A to Z, or one of the there were a handful of uh, sessions of podcasting A to Z that were special that allowed the house that I have now to be built. So you were a part of session 17, it was June 2014, and that happened to be the month I moved into this space, this house, this next level studio. And also there were 29 students in that session, which normally I'm like, I'm working my tail end off with 20 students, but I took <laughs> off the limit because, well, I, I needed to make some financial miracles happen to, to put us into a position where we could be in this space. And, and uh, you were a part of that. So I will also reach out to the folks that were there. Do you happen to recall the name Stephen Faust by any chance? I do. I do recall that name. Steve, I, I, I saw he was in
1: that group, he which was. I didn't
0: realize. He was in this session with you that yeah. same June ta- 2014 session. There was also G- Joe Lample. Those are the three of you that most stand out because I've done as much work. But ironically, Stephen Faust ended up coming to uh, spend a day with Cliff when I had that opportunity. Mm-hmm. Uh, he also ended up joining the Next Level Mastermind PM group and uh, and and he came to free the dream as well 2019 and so the fun part is is that I never until today pr- uh, preparing for this I'm like what's my his- what's my history with Casey Ben uh, I didn't realize it's like wow gosh there's there's so much of a connection between Steven and Casey I should I-, I wish I would have done more to to, you know, facilitate even a deeper connection at Free the Dream, had I known that back then?
1: Yeah, we had dinner together, Stephen and I. We, there was a group of four of us. And, uh, or, well, there was a group that went out and four of us sat together, you know, just got paired up together. And uh, I wish I knew, too, that yeah. we were in that group. Because we here we, we sat and had dinner together and it never even came up that we were in the same group at the same time. So...
0: Well, I'm going to tell you, Stephen will be listening to this because I know enough about Stephen to know that he'll definitely want to li- check out this relaunch of this podcast. He listens to a ton of content that I produce and and he'll be delighted to to hear this. And don't be surprised if you hear from him. He's got your email address now, which I now have memorized, Price 29 at gmail.com. That's right. So um, real quickly, for anybody who's ever thinking about the next level mastermind. Let's just say this is something that they've been thinking about or coaching with Cliff. What would you say (laughs) to somebody that's on the fence as being someone who has been working with me for over seven years, but has been a part of a weekly meeting with me for over three years? They're on the fence. Should I work with Cliff? Can I afford working with Cliff? What would you say to somebody that's on the fence about something like that?
1: Yeah. That's yeah, a great question. And, and it's funny because it's something I think about a lot. So, uh, f- first of all, I mean, anybody who listened, especially to the first part of this, heard the conversation about how I've I personally have changed as a result of our relationship and as a result really of the of the next level mastermind. Um, and, and, and not just you, although you are the key component to that, but everybody in it that's the value is we have you guiding the discussion and we have the input from all of the members. So I remember driving in my car in, in April of 2018 and listening to you talk about the next level mastermind. And I remember I had thought just like podcasting and Disney, I had been thinking about it for a while and don't, I don't know what it was that, that made me made me take that action. As soon as I got back, I, I was driving back from, from a client's house in, in a little further North here in New Jersey, had about 40 minutes in the car, was listening to you talk about that. So what would, what, why, why should a person do it? You, you talk cliff about next level, helping people reach the next level. And you have been a springboard for me to reach not only the next level, but, but a number of levels beyond that. And is it, it, it not only ha, it, it, it has been something I couldn't afford not to do that I have you know it and I know this isn't if if, if you're looking for a soundbite if anybody was thinking they were getting a soundbite here uh it, there's just so many reasons why this has been beneficial to me that that I can't I, I can't give that and I'm pretty good at giving soundbites and I I can't give one right now. There's just so many things along the way that have been helpful um, and that have made it worthwhile. And that's the thing. Yeah, you know, we talk about value. I'll say this. There are times in life where people will over under underpromise and over-deliver. And I think if we all reflect, or at least me, when I reflect, there are very few times when I can say that's ever happened to me. Well, Cliff, you've done it now. Twice, probably three times, actually. To be more clear, podcasting A to Z was a clear over deliver. I never expected what I got. Free the dream and the community you've built has been an over deliver. Uh, I, you know, to build a community and, and something that you know, I literally could reach out to fifty. I would think fifty people right now with a question uh, and, and get get help from them, the members of the community, and. You know, the granddaddy of them all is the next level mastermind. You know, I can't imagine not being here in the next level mastermind. This has been such an over-deliver on your promise that anybody, well, if you're, if you're on the fence, it's a no-brainer. You should do it. If, you're, if, if it's, an, if it's a, an inkling in your mind is, I wonder if this would be something that I could benefit from, it's been nothing but an over-deliver for me from day one. So I, I hope that anyone thinking about it would give it a, give it a shot and, and, and see what, what I've been living with here now for the last three plus years. It is undoubtedly probably the best decision. Well, I can't say the best. It's undoubtedly one of the best decisions I've ever made in my life. Um, and it's something I look forward to uh Going forward, ongoing, um, because, like I said, I can't imagine it. I can't ima- I can't even think of where I would have been today had it not been for the group. So, again, if it was a soundbite you're looking for, that's not. That, I couldn't give it to you, but, but I hope you understand the heartfelt, um, the heartfelt appreciation I have uh, for for what I've gained and the value I've received. Tremendous value I've received from being a member of the group.
0: Thank you, I, I I love that, and I just want to say, Casey, uh, it has my life has been so profoundly shaped and molded by our experiences as well. Uh, the The amount of conversations we've had. I, one of my favorite conversations you and I had while I think I was out for a like a two hour walk one day through the neighborhood, and I'll never forget just the the length and the depth and the breadth of that conversation. And just it's like I've I've actually witnessed so many different areas of your journey. And there's I purposely stayed away from a lot of stuff that has been that we've talked about in the next level mastermind over the last three and a half years. Um and and the reason why is because so many people know so much about that part of your journey. But there's Mm -hmm. so many things that I've been privileged to witness in your life and the shifts and stuff like that. And Uh, I I can honestly say this, that I love you. Uh, You're one of my favorite friends on this earth, and I'm excited about who you are, what you're doing, what what life has been for you, what it is for you now, what it will be for you in the future. And I genuinely mean it. I look forward to another community voice with you at some point down the road, just to have some more rabbit trails you and i can go down because i learned a lot more about you today than than i have up to this point i this is a very condensed wow i really got to know a lot more about casey outside of the stuff we typically talk about so i really appreciate this
1: well thank you for the chance to share it and well first of all thank you for those kind words i mean they uh, I, i don't even know what to say uh other than thank you and and i feel the same way um And thank you for the opportunity to share this it it feels it's it's nice to have the chance and 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 do it with a friend um as opposed to you know well anybody else i really appreciate it so thank you
0: well there you go my friends that that concludes episode number 33 of the community voice podcast a podcast that has been over 10 years since the previous episode I I can't promise you that every episode will be just like this because every episode is just going to be what it is. Because guess what? Every person that I talk to that I bring into future episodes, they're all completely different human beings. We never know where this is going to go. But I love this podcast. I'm thrilled to bring it back. I'm thrilled that you've listened this far into the episode. And if you're not already, I encourage you to check out my main podcast, The Cliff Ravenscraft Show in your favorite podcast directory. You can find it over at cliffravenscraft.com. Um, also, uh, just check out cliffravenscraft.com for all the other things that I got with, including the work with me tab, which will give you information about the next level mastermind. It'll give you information about, uh, my one-on-one coaching and who knows what else is offered when you are listening to this. So the work with me page at cliffravenscraft.com is uh, a place to go. And I'm going to give Casey the final word here. Casey, there are some people, believe it or not, that have never met you, have never heard your name before but they actually decided to check out this episode of the community voice. If somebody wanted to learn more about you getting just like, it's like, there's just something about that Casey guy and some of his story. I just love his voice or something like that. Where could they find you? Where could they continue to follow you?
1: Oh, Cliff. Um, (laughs) Well, I have the no excuses, three, six, five podcast, which while it's not ten years since the last episode. It's been a while. Uh, it was pre-pandemic, back in maybe February 2020, and it is going to come back, going to come back strong. I'm actually building outlines and things like that. I, um, but that's where you're. That's where you're going to be able to hear me if you ever wanted to hear what was rattling rattling around in my brain. Um, reaching out to me. Well, you have my email. anybody who wants to say hello or do anything, CaseyPrice29 at gmail.com. Uh, always happy to talk to anybody who has anything to say and uh but that's really about it it's yeah no excuses 365 it's something that i'm passionate about and if you want to learn more about it check it out and um yeah we'll see where it goes
0: so that's no excuses 365.com
1: it is it is and and the no excuses 365 podcast but again um You'll see. If anybody who looks, you might find it interesting, but it's it's definitely uh, needs to be. Uh, it's going to be revived, Cliff. You caught me a little off guard there, and That's I should have been ready for that.
0: No, um, don't worry about it. Hey, but, uh, it, what? I, let me just make a sales pitch <laughs> for it because I listened to it uh, when it was being produced. It's kind of like my old Pursuing a Balanced Life podcast for those who are familiar with it. It's kind of like my new Train with Cliff audio program. It's most it's mostly been an audio journal format podcast. Not that necessarily he's stuck to that format. He can branch out and do it. Casey can do whatever he wants. But that's kind of what Casey did for, their, for a season of his life. And a lot. And I mean, like, there's, he's got a different mask on today. Uh, it, or let's just put it this way what was what, the, the, the cup? There's a significant difference in the amount of darkness in that cup of coffee today. No,
1: that's for sure. You will hear it. I was a different person then than I am now.
0: And uh, the new episodes and fun, the new episodes with your thoughts of philosophy are going to be incredible. I can't wait to hear about your philosophical uh, just musings in the No Excuses 365 podcast. Also, I think it would be unfair for not for people not to know what you do professionally today outside of just content creation. What, what do you do for a living today? Because that didn't come into this conversation. And who knows, there might be somebody in your area that might be a benefit from your professional services.
1: Sure, well, thanks. Yeah, it's uh, I'm, I'm an attorney. I practice estate planning, elder law, and estate administration here in South Jersey. So I help people create estate plans. I help people protect what they have. And and I help them, the families after a loved one has passed away. So it's something I practice with my father. We have a small office here in Haddonfield. That's It's small, makes you feel comfortable, but it's big enough that we can handle a whole lot of things for a whole lot of people. And it brings me a lot of personal pride uh, to serve the community and provide the level of value uh, that I do. And, and that's, hey, that's how I, I believe you succeed is by providing value to others. And that's Cliff. I, I, I again, go back to the value I've received from you, the over delivery on your promises. It's what we strive to do here in our office at, at Price and Price. So uh,
0: thanks for the opportunity to share that. My pleasure. My friends, I encourage you to take everything you do to the next level. Mindset Man. That's it. Well, thank you, dude. That was fun, and it's not your computer. It must have
1: been your Wi-Fi. Yeah, it must have been because yeah, I'm on my phone, and it is working really well. Um, and we didn't even get to talk about the Muppets. <laughs> <laughs> what about the Muppets? The Muppets. The Muppets uh, are the. Uh, everything you need to know to succeed was taught to you in the Muppet movie back in 1979. I am a firm believer in that. In fact, if you listen to the soundtrack, the last song is called the, uh, what's it called? The, uh, the dream factory, I think. And, and it ends where they say life is a movie, write your own ending. Sounds familiar, huh? Uh, keep believing, keep pretending we've done just what we've set out to do. Thanks to the lovers, the dreamers and you. And the Muppet movie is Kermit, the frog following his goal and, and accomplishing his goal and meeting friends along the way. And I am a firm believer, and this will come out in the next one. This is actually going to be in my next hot seat. i would already started pulling it together was the conversation of life. According to the Muppet movie, I'm, I'm a firm believer that everything anybody needs to know to succeed in life is, is given to us in that movie. I love so that. Seems kind of silly, right? But some of life is life is a lot simpler than we make it.